From the banks of Dewey Lake, it's the Dewey Pod Monster. Alright guys, welcome back. I'm John and with me as always is my cohort comrade and title to be decided co-host Sean. Sean, how you doing today? You know, I was going to say co-host and you hit it right on the head. I didn't even have to remind you. You said co-host. We're good to go. I always feel like I'm kind of pulling it as we go. If you're just joining us, this is the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. This is a podcast about consumption. Where we talk about all things that can be consumed in any various way. How are you doing today, Sean? I am okay. Uh, a little bit of a situation going here at home, but uh, no worries. We're all, we're all safe. Everyone in this house, except for me, has COVID. Yeah, sounds and fun. And this is, yeah, and this is the second time that I've been isolated because I don't have it. So mm-hmm. it's good times, but it's uh, been nice and co- it's been somewhat quiet. I run the downstairs, everybody else is upstairs, and then I have to do all the errands for everyone. Can you get me my lunch? Can you do this little laundry? Can you do this? Can you do that? So that part stinks, but I'm not sick, so kind of little funny victories. However- Everyone else gets sick and you get exiled to the basement. Yeah, and get extra work. <laughs> yeah, that's and how get it goes. extra work. <laughs> well, hopefully everyone gets uh, better quickly. Obviously, no one wants uh, anyone being sick, especially that bullshit. So, right. Yeah, we're we're getting to the end of it. Well, that's good. That explains the uh, long week then, or I'm assuming anything fun going on over there, or is it just? Uh, are you catching up <laughs> on anything in the process? <laughs> Yeah, I've been playing a little bit, some games that I've kind of been neglecting, jumped back into Elden Ring. I don't know if you're familiar with, I know you're not a huge gamer, but I, I don't know if you're into the Elden Ring or not, but I jumped back into that. I've been is that playing part some of the Elder stuff. Scrolls stuff, or is that something uh, different? Part of the Dark Souls kind of universe. Okay. It's like an open world Dark Souls, so that's okay. what I've been kind of jumping into. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm still on the Wu-Tang. I just finished the first season. It's 10 episodes, so about 10 hours. I got another another season to go i think they've said they're going to be renewed for a third season and uh seems yeah. like a lot of seasons to be able to tell the, how the band got together yeah i've been reading about it today because it seems like a lot of it's fictionalized it's like it, it, it's got a basis in truth but you know it's not all true so i don't know all the legend all the lore i didn't i don't think i started listening to them till about like 96 or so okay and they'd been out for a while by then so, you know, it's all their backstory. It's like how they came up and everything. So they do have a lot of storyline to do, but some of it seems a little bit more like it's played for drama, which is understandable. It's a dramatization, right? So, of course, it's going to be played for drama, but it's interesting. It's keeping me interested. Okay. Well, I still need to check that out. But um, before we go too much into other stuff like that, so our, we are talking this week about beer. As many of you know, uh, both of us have a a uh, history or so with beer and we're talking about one of our favorite spots today i would say this is probably of all the breweries in the state the one that we would most mutually agree on is just fantastic of course that would mean that we are talking about none other than brew detroit the uh fantastic brew house that is in corktown just off of not porter street porter street's the other brewery over there which is also great abbott Abbott. thank you so we're starting this show with uh the flagship from Brew Detroit, which is Cerveza del Rey. This beer is a 4.2% ABV Mexican-style lager. You want to give some tasting notes on it? It looks like you got yours already open. Mine's yeah, also got, open. 
I got mine cracked. My date on this one is, I was looking at that, it's January 25th, 2022, so hopefully you got about the same batch. We picked these up separately. Yeah, it's just a really nice kind of clean Cerveza-style lager, obviously Cerveza Del Rey. Again, like you said, this is a flagship. They also now have a new variation called uh, Oscura, which is a dark lager. And this one, I believe that they said recently went through a bit of a... Well, you yours is on, yours is kegged, right? So you wouldn't even have a candidate. They did say they went through a bit of a a bit of a reformulation, didn't they? Yes. So mine mine does have a uh, kegged on date, which is January twenty second. So it's not too far off from what no, you it's had the exact on there. same day, isn't it? Didn't I say that? January twenty fifth. Oh, twenty fifth. Yeah. So it's Fair probably close. from the same batch. Probably. Um. And yes. And I'm not exactly sure uh what the changes were or what. I don't know. I, I've heard a couple people say that it changed a little bit. Having drank it, uh, what, a week ago or so in the tap room? Maybe this is just because, you know, I'm not trying them side by side, but I'm not catching a noticeable difference. But I this is just beer for me. Like, this is one of my favorite beers to have around the house. It's, relatively speaking, it's a lighter beer. It's easy to drink. It goes good with pretty much anything you can put on a plate. Because it's got that lower ABV, you could have several of them without feeling like you're going to fall over, which is usually good. It's got just a little bit of a citrusy back end to it uh, to me, but nothing that's going to kind of, you know, clobber you over the head or anything like that. This is, in my opinion, so this is my personal favorite. I, I think it's her best beer, but I'm just saying that because it's my favorite. I think this is one of the most approachable beers that comes out of the state of Michigan and one that when, if you get asked what's good, a good beer for, you know, my dad or my friend or whoever who just wants to try something, you know, local or something craft, but they usually drink Corona or High Life or whatever, something, your macro style beers. This is one that I usually point people to pretty quickly. Yeah, it's got, it's got kind of that macro kind of taste to it. A little, you know, a little bit of that, like you said, has a little bit of that citrus kind of note to it. And it has this bit of a bitterness. It seems like a little bit more bitter than some other mm-hmm. macro styles, but it still fits in that kind of style, what you would expect to see from a cerveza. And I don't know if you mentioned it, but Brew Detroit, I know that we've talked, obviously, about Brew Detroit, you know, tons of times. And I don't, I'm sure you agree, they are probably the most, one of, if not the most, criminally underrated breweries in the state. Like, the value to how much you pay to what you get, I, I don't think that there's a better value in the state. I completely agree. And and that's not just this beer, which this beer has a ridiculously great value price on it. I think a four pack's usually around six bucks or so um, or in that ballpark. Any of their beers, it, it's amazing that they are able to crank out the quality of beer that they have and keep it at the price that they keep it at. Yeah, they do tons of beer. They they So if you're unfamiliar, Brew Detroit is a contract brewery. They brew beer from other breweries from around the nation. And uh, even some outside the contiguous 48 states, they do Halakaliki, right? That's the, the yep, pineapple. That's the pineapple one. Right. And, and so they do I'm that. Not sure but they also... that's how it's pronounced, but that's the pineapple. I know which one you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, close enough. What Chico's is this, uh, English major uh, podcast or pronunciation guide? Anyways, they... <laughs> <laughs> so not only are they a contract brewery doing other people's product, but they do their own. They have their own kind of smaller, I think it's like 12-barrel batches that they do I, I don't quote me on that it's been i'm sure they've upgra- upgraded since the time that i did my tour like years ago mm-hmm. but so they do their own little pilot system basically what they would do call a pilot system and they you know when you go in the tap room they always 
Not always, because it seems like now they're starting to get into their kind of groove of what they do. It's not so experimental anymore. It seems like prior, they were doing a lot more things that were kind of, like I said, a little bit more experimental. But now it seems like they've kind of got their standards. You know, we some of the beers that we're going to be talking about today are definitely, I think all of them actually are standards. Like you're going to find, they're seasonal. Some of them are seasonal. I think Del Rey is uh, one that's year round. Actually, all four of these, I believe, or well, all three of the ones that we picked for sure are year round offerings. The uh, fourth one that I have, which is a, if we get to it, is Oscura which did kind of t- oh, okay. uh, touch on a little bit. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to be back next year or not, since this is the uh, first year that they've done it, but they've already done a, this batch that just came out is already the second batch because they were so impressed with the first one. So I would assume that it would probably be back next year, but I, I can't say that for sure. We can't, we don't know that for sure right now, but the other three that we have, or the other two that we have are both uh, at this point, they're both year round flagships. Yeah, and I, I've had Escura from the tap room, and I bought a can when the first batch came around, and I never got to it. I still have it. I'm sure it's still good. But yeah, they just announced at the time of this recording that they were releasing their second batch into the wild. So you may see Cerveza Del Rey Escura can out there. So the one that we have, Cerveza Del Rey is a white can. It has like it looks like a sun with some kind of diagonal lines across. The Escura one is like the exact same can pretty much, except it's black with a blue Kind of like a moon, basically. Instead of a sun, it has a blue moon on it. But not like blue moon the beer. Much better than right. that. So. Right. That doesn't even have a blue moon on it, does it? Anymore? I don't know if it does. I know it did at one time. I'm not sure if it still does. I, it I probably does. It'd be ridiculous for it to be called blue moon and everybody recognize the label. I mean, they've redesigned it over time, but I'm sure they. I'm sure it still has the moon on it. I haven't had a blue moon out of a can or a bottle in years. I get one every now and then in a bar. Like if there's something else on, I'll, I'll settle on a blue moon. But I couldn't tell you the last time that I had a um, can or a bottle of blue moon. Yeah, the last thing I had from them was the Light Sky, which was a couple of years ago now, mm-hmm. which funnily enough is like one of the most viewed videos that I have because, you know, it's a national, a national macro. I mean, I think they call themselves craft beer, blue moon might, but it's... Molson is it Molson Coors? Oh yeah, they're Molson. They're uh yeah Molson Coors. They have been for quite a while now. Yeah, so it's you know that was one that gets a lot of views because but because it's a macro and it's from a big company, but mm-hmm. it's not uh it's kind of watery. It's not all that great. Kind of reminds me of that Bud, um the new one uh next the zero carb eighty calorie four percent. I haven't beer. tried that, and I'm okay I have. with trying It's kind of like water. Yeah, it's really watery. It's like, it's, Light Sky's pretty watery, and, and Next is watery, too. I, I understand it fits like a demographic or fits a market, and I'm sure the market is clam- clamoring for new beer uh, that tastes different, but I don't think it tastes much different than really anything else that's that kind of low ABV, low-carb, low-calorie style thing that's out there. I don't understand the, okay, so I kind of feel like if you're going to be drinking beer that you have to understand that you're going to be consuming some unnecessary carbs that kind of comes with what beer is. If you really want to just get drunk and not have carbs, that's why vodka exists or gin or, you know, even to a lesser extent, whiskey, which has some calories, but not not anywhere close to or nothing like what beer does. It just seems like you're cheating yourself out of all kinds of things by going to like super low carb, like one calorie beer. Yeah, I was on keto. I was on a ketogenic diet for quite a while. I still kind of dabble in it uh, to lose weight and stuff. And I, you know, you kind of get that craving to drink beer. But whenever I got a craving to drink beer, and I was hardcore 
under 20 carbs a day, I would just drink a Miller. You know, I drink a Miller mm. or two. Those are like, I think they're three, three or three carbs or four carbs or 2.4 or something like that. I would just drink, you know, a couple Millers and that's at least five and a half percent. So, yeah, but if I was looking to not, you know, if I was looking just to get ripped, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't take yeah. much when you don't drink beer, your tolerance right. really lowers. I would just drink, like you said, a vodka and a seltzer or something, you know, soda water and, and vodka. Yeah, I would think that would get you, you know, to the promised land a lot quicker than going through, what, five or six Miller super minimal carbs or whatever. So, well, when you get, but when you're, for me, when I was that low carb, I mean, I, my tolerance was zilch. Like one, you don't Miller. have anything absorbing it at that yeah, point. That so. one Miller would be like enough to get like a really nice buzz. And two is like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Like, or get a tall, like go to, you know, someplace like B dubs mm-hmm. and throw down on some wings and get a, get a, a tall Miller or something, a 20 ounce or 24 ounce or whatever they sell or 22 ounce. And that, that would be good enough to, you know, that's a cheap date. You know, you're getting one, one and done. <laughs> one macro beer and then you're just hammered? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Sounds like college all over. Well, sounds like high school all over, right? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Built the tolerance up for college. Right. So while we're kind of enjoying Del Rey, um, I did take your advice and I started on Peacemaker. Oh, yeah. What do you think of that? So I don't know if James Gunn is directing this or just producing it. But this is the most James Gunny thing that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I don't know if he, I know he wrote, I think he wrote some of it and I, he produced, he's the producer. Yeah. I don't know if he directed any of it, but I know he had like a big, a big hand in it. Cause he did, he, he had a big hand in Suicide Squad, the second directed, Suicide Squad directed, as well. He directed, there you go. I know he directed the movie. I don't know what he did. Like, aside from producing this, I don't know what his level of uh, involvement is. Um, but it's got all the calling cards of him. It's got the over-the-top, like, stupid, like, gore and head explosions. Like, the jokes about uh, them finding someone's face in the first episode is very, you know, James Gunn-type humor. All the weird, like, music callbacks uh, that are used throughout it. The theme song, which is probably the best part. I mean, again, I'm only three episodes in, but I would say the theme song and the half ass dance that goes along with the theme song has to be by far the best part of the show so far. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely has that James Gunn kind of soundtrack thing that he has yeah. going on in his movies. Yeah, he's like Tarantino, but not as, um, it's like a different kind of cinematic. It's more, well, it's more comic booky, which yeah. it's him, so. Yeah, Tarantino's more like obscure, you know, he he's going after obscure music and aping obscure movies where James Gunn feels like he's more doing mainstream movies from a period, and I don't feel like his influences are so hidden. You know, they're not so so deep, deep in the, uh, you know, crate digging for 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 movies, whereas Tarantino sometimes can be like, yeah, that scene is directly stolen from some other movie or the theme, you know, is directly lifted from some other thing or heavily influenced, at least. If Tarantino's going like, we'll say to a artist's we're past B sides, we're down to like Q sides or something like that. That's Tarantino, where I feel like Gunn takes. Like in this, it's a lot of like uh, glam rock and hair metal and that type of stuff that at least so far, that's that's what they keep bringing up is is that type of music. He doesn't quite take the um, top 10 hit, but he'll go to like the top 30 hit or something like that. So it's stuff that's accessible. And if you kind of know that genre, that's where he seems to be pulling from. But it's never the like the number one, like this was the biggest hit, you know, on the planet at any given time with the possible exception of the jackson five in guardians 
Do you think that's for the show for Peacemaker? I know Guardians has a bigger budget, but do you think for the show for Peacemaker that's a licensing fee thing, or is that just a direction that th- that he decided to go in? It feels like a direction that he decided to go in. I say that for two reasons. One, because it's so consistent and he plays it up so well, especially with Cena in it. He does a really good job of making it seem like feel genuine. As stupid as that sounds, when you think about the the show. And it's not like HBO doesn't have some level of budget behind this uh, this property. Yeah, true. So what uh, what do you think of the show? It's entertaining. I, I don't I, I couldn't do more than three episodes before I was like, that's enough of that for right now. Um, but it's entertaining. Um, I'll finish it. I mean, it's not, like I said, it's only eight episodes, so it's not too big a deal to kind of chop into and get to. But I like that it's over the top. I like that it is comically violent. I didn't really like the character Peacemaker that much in the Suicide Squad movie, which is kind of surprising because usually I I like when WWF guys or WWE, whatever they are now, when wrestlers go to becoming over the top actors, I I typically find them to be pretty like I I love The Rock and I don't even like most of his movies, but I find him to be entertaining. So I expected to like him a lot more in the movie than than I did. He's kind of on the same like level right now. I mean, like he's okay, but I don't really find myself liking him. I like the other guy that showed up, uh, Vigilante. Is that his name? He's funnier to me than um, Cena is. That, and I like some of the people in his uh, force team. Like how they react to him and his uh, mannerisms are is pretty entertaining too. So, what is your favorite James Gunn? Do you have a favorite James Gunn movie? Do you like James Gunn as a director, or are you just kind of indifferent? I like him. I like him more than I, I dislike him. He's got two two of the Marvel movies I actually really like are both his movies. And I'm not a big Marvel guy at this point. If I had to pick a favorite movie of his, I'd probably go back and say Slither because it's oh, disgusting. Yeah. And yeah, it's fair. That's a trauma movie, isn't it? I think it I is. I don't know. It might be. But yeah, that, uh, if you were going to throw it back to me, which I'm sure you're going to because you're a yeah. courteous host. Uh yeah, Slither's my favorite James Gunn movie and I've you know seen it multiple times. Just the whole kind of oh, yeah. vibe to it. It's it reminds me very much if it, anyone's out there's unfamiliar with what Slither is, it's basically an alien slug movie. Uh that comes the slugs come down to earth, right? They invade people by crawling up their ass basically or shooting in their mouth or whatever. Isn't that how they do it? They uh they embed courteous. themselves somehow. They're, they're generous lovers. Okay. And then what is the uh <laughs> What is that 80s? God, now I can't remember. I, I'm having a total like brain fart. What is that 80s movie? Oh, Night of the Creeps. About? Night oh, of the Creeps. Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah. That's why I think I like Slither so much is because I really like Night of the Creeps. I like the whole kind of storyline. It kind of has a similar vibe to it. And I like that the aliens have a hive mind. You know, like one thing happens and then they all are aware of it and all the things yeah. that they can do together. It's just, I think that's a really cool, like a really scary uh concept behind a movie where all the monsters know you know when one of them knows they all know and they can all converge on one spot that just kind of freaks me out that's like a i don't know it gives me the it gives me the creeps night of the creeps is definitely a movie that will get its own episode at some point like i don't want to say i don't know if it's high up there because we have so many to get to at this point but um Mm -hmm. it's definitely been one that i'm like god that's one that when my just to have an excuse to go watch it again. I haven't watched it in I don't know how long. Yeah, it might that this might motivate me to go watch it again. It's been several years since the last time I saw it. Yeah, same here. But I also, after we were talking about the remake of Night of the Demons with Edward Furlong, I want to go back and watch that again too. So then I need I might have to actually sit down and watch Edward Furlong fight demons because 
that might hit that kind of bad that I like. Because it's Edward Furlong, and he's fighting demons. That's all right? you need to know. It also has Shannon Elizabeth, which is probably less good. Yeah, kind of hit or miss with me. Ever since um, Jay and Silent Bob strike back, I've kind of been like, eh, okay, I've seen enough. Yeah, you see, I think that's her high point, and that's not saying much, because that movie is, really, unless you're Jay and Silent Bob, I don't really care. Well, I take that back. There's other people that are really funny in that movie, but she's not one of them. Yeah, that was one where, at the time, I thought it was hilarious, you know, when I saw it originally. Hmm. I don't know if I could go back and watch it. I don't know why, but I went back and watched the uh, Jay and Silent Bob saga, basically from Clerks all the way up to, I I remember why, because... uh. They did the remake, essential or reboot of Jay and Silent Bob. That came out yeah, last summer, maybe 2020 summer or something recently. When it went on streaming, I went back and just kind of watched them all. They're, they're all short, so it doesn't take that long for it to, for you to go through them. Didn't that immediately go to streaming? Like, I don't think it ever got a theatrical release, did it? That was like during COVID, like when things were actually closed down, I thought. I, I know, all I know is it ended up on Amazon Prime, and I was like, what the hell, I'll watch this. I don't know if it had a real, I know he was doing his like tour thing with it where he was kind of like he did with red state where he would take it to college campuses and shit like that and show it and then go out there and you can listen to him tell you that he was, he made clerks and you know, whatever else he does when he talks. I'm Kevin Smith, the maker, the creator and director of clerks. Remember that movie from the nineties, like 92. Do you like, like what's your, what's your opinion on Kevin Smith? I think when clerks came out, I, was kind of really intrigued, and I thought, I don't know if I necessarily thought it was, like, the best movie, but I thought it was pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time, I, I liked Kevin Smith. I think through all the askew, the, was it the askew Askew-nivers. universe? Yeah. Askew, yeah, I couldn't think of the actual term. I think through, I really liked Mallrats. I watched Mallrats, like, tons of times. Mm-hmm. And then I think... Chasing Amy was one where I felt kind of like it. I, I lost a little bit of interest in Kevin Smith movies. Again, Jay and Silent Bob was great when I first saw it. I was really uh, pleasantly surprised with Red State. And then after that, I've kind of just... I listened to his podcast for a while. One of them. I don't even remember which one it was now. Maybe Smodcast. I think if he you've did heard Smodcast. one, you've heard them all because he basically recycles the same stories Yeah, in every single podcast. So. And it was before he was getting like super high on every podcast. (laughs) So that dates it, I don't know, probably early podcast days. Um, Hmm. And now, you know, when I think I saw, he did that movie where it was just him talking like a spoken word kind of thing. And he answered questions, talked about Superman, you know, the Superman movie that they're going to make that I kind of liked him again then, but uh, he's, he's, he's okay. Like, I don't have anything against him. I don't really, I don't seek out his stuff anymore. I don't uh, get excited about his movies that come out, but He's fine. I just, I don't like, hey, I, you know, I'm all about making your life better. You know, he lost all the weight. He looks great. But I, I, that face that he makes in every picture where he looks like somebody caught him on the toilet, like somebody sprayed yeah. cold water up his ass or something. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, I can't do it. Like, can you make a different face? I, I understand this is your shtick, but let's do something else. Yeah. So as far as his movies go, I like the majority of them except for Jersey Girl and Oh, I never even saw that. It's basically like a second attempt at chasing Amy, except you take the lesbian angle out and replace it with a dead Jennifer Lopez and a kid, which sounds good in theory. Well, part of it, but it just, it didn't work. You managed to get George Carlin as a lead role in your movie and it didn't work. That's a, that's a fucking problem. 
with chasing Amy, I, I didn't like it that much when I saw it as a young adolescence, like before I was like 20, 21. Coming back around to it, I actually think it's his best movie that he's he's made because he tells a really sweet story in it. You know, so I, I do like that one a lot now, where I didn't really like it a lot to begin with. Red State, I think, is actually a great movie. Surprisingly great, because I didn't think he could do anything other than dick and part jokes, basically. Yeah, the Askewiverse, basically. Right. So when he did that, I don't know, I, I really liked it, and, and I kind of, I've only watched that movie once, and I really wonder if I would still think it was good if I watched it a second time. Like, I, I tend to think, like, it wouldn't hold up very well, like, now. Shit, that's probably, like, 15 years old at this point. Oh, easy, yeah. Yeah, like I haven't I saw it like probably like a year or so after it came out. It was on Netflix or something like that. That's when I watched it. Now he's doing these weird. And again, these are all just total stoner movies that he's dreaming up. And I do kind of like the movie Tusk because it is. And it's one of them that eventually we'll do an episode on because it's so fucked up and it's so stupid. But then he follows it up with Yoga Hosers. And that movie is like I'm all for a good, dumb, bad, like horror movie comedy mashup. This just is like, dude, you should, you need to like put the fucking like weed down for like at least one day while you're writing this. Pump pump uh, the brakes here, Kev. Right. <laughs> He's supposed to finish that trilogy, and I'm using air quotes, with a movie called Moose Jaws, which if you're gonna give me a movie with a moose running around eating people, I'm hundred percent on board. Like, I'm totally for the killer moose, but somehow I doubt that's what we get, if we even get that movie. The thing that drives me nuts about Kevin Smith is he's, well, there's a lot of things that drive me nuts about Kevin Smith, but the the biggest thing that, like, drives me nuts about him professionally, because he has so many platforms where he goes and his job is to be Kevin Smith, whether it's a podcast or whether it's him talking in Hall H or, you know, whatever the hell he's doing on any given week. He's real good at telling you, hey, I'm Kevin Smith, and I'm making dot, dot, dot. Whether it's Hit Somebody, Moose Jaws, Superman, which I, I know that story, but my point, you know, you get where I'm going with this. Whatever yeah. project it is that he's working on, he says, I'm Kevin Smith, and I'm working on this. Clerks 3, Mallrats 2, um, you know, all these things that he's saying that he's going to give you, and none of them fucking happen. <laughs> he gives you this, he tells you, like, the whole also- story, and... Yeah, like in a way. I mean, if you're looking forward to it, it's false hope. If you're not, then it's like whatever. Well, and that's kind of where it is. It's just like whatever, dude. I'll believe it when I see it at this point. So y- yoga. Well, number one, I'm 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 a little surprised to hear your sentimentality uh, about a, a movie. Number one, uh, <laughs> Jersey Girl being the movie that you're a little sentimental about. No, no, no. Uh, Chasing Amy. I'm oh, I'm sorry, Chasing. You're right. Oh, hey, don't don't put words in your mouth. And number two. The question I had was, Yoga Hosers is kind of like a vehicle for his daughter, right? Isn't she yeah, in it or something? She's in the first one, too. Um, yeah, she's in it. She's in, um, I assume that she'll be in every movie that he makes going forward. Yeah, like his wife was in a bunch of stuff for yeah. a while. Yeah, and and I don't really begrudge him for that. I mean, your daughter wants to be an actor. If you're in the position to cast her, why, why the hell wouldn't you? I mean... I thought he got a little overexcited when she was in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because, cool, that's awesome. Your kid's in a Tarantino movie, but she doesn't really do anything in that movie. Who is other she than in that? She's one of the Manson kids. So when you see the... Um, when they're on Spawn Ranch. She's there for like two seconds, but when you see them like walking up the street before Brad Pitt picks up the one girl, 
She's one of the kids that's like dumpster diving for food. So, okay. Um, I didn't even know that. Yeah. And that's exactly my point. She's in it. And that's good. That's a huge achievement for a kid who's, I think she was like 19 when they made that, maybe 20. That's great. She should be proud of that. But at the same time, don't go giving her a fucking Oscar when all she did was jump at a trash can. Yeah. One thing I share with Kevin Smith is an unabashed love and an un, uh, uh, something I will not, unapologetic. That's where I was going. Love for Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High because we, we both share that. Start of the pandemic, I, I, watched, say, uh... I watched all of Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High and even the School's Out movie. I thought you were going to say an unapologetic love for weed. <laughs> <laughs> no, Degrassi. Uh, it's fair. I'm going to jump into my next beer. What are we going with next? Because of what the third one is, I don't want to blow my palate out quite yet. I'm going with Yumtown. So. Okay, let me grab my Yumtown. All right. So while Tron's getting that, Yumtown is another lager. This is a 4.7% fruited lager. It is fruited with uh, tart cherries and lime. Probably heard a little crack there. Uh, this one is also a pretty light beer. Uh, this is easily one of my favorite summer beers. It is super refreshing, sweet, and it does not in any way, shape, or form overkill the fruit or the sweetness that's on it. It's just really well balanced out. Again, I don't have a better word for it than just enjoyable and delicious. Yeah, super crisp, super light, super refreshing. Like you said, a great summertime beer. For you, uh, Cerveza Del Rey is your favorite brew Detroit beer for me it's Yumtown this is one that I can drink again it's low ABV 4.7% Delray is what 4 point Delray is 4.2 yeah, so yeah half a percent lower but it's still pretty low I just really like the the tartness of the cherry um, the lime the citrus tartness kind of comes with it but the cherry's a little bit sweet too so you get a little bit of a sweet you get that tart it's just really crisp really refreshing it's just a like you said a really great summer beer this one was actually for me was canned March 29th, 2022. So this they're getting this ready for the uh for the spring. Well, wow, mine's uh quite a bit older. Mine's September 27th of 2021. And I saw those hanging around like usually when I find Yumtown it's it's generally not super fresh, so I was pretty excited and pretty uh just kind of surprised honestly that I was able to get it and it was within like the month. You know, it was just canned within the month. Uh, but I, I really, this is, this is a, a true favorite of mine and I like the color of it. It's got, it's not clear. It's got a bit of a haziness to it. It's got a bit of uh you can see particulate kind of floating in there on the bottom. There's a little bit of, a little bit of something, a little bit of sediment in there. And it's uh, just, yeah. And it's just got a nice kind of light pink color to it. It's like a peach kind of color. This is definitely a beer that if you follow the Sambir social media stuff when I was doing that or uh, Sean Strat therapy feeds that you see this beer several times a year. This is one that I know both of us go back to on a regular basis. It's a bummer that it doesn't get more traction. I know I'm sure part of that is because it's a lager and part of it's because, you know, people see fruit in a lager and just get stupid. But it is really a beer that crowd pleaser is underselling it. It is a fantastic Absolutely fantastic beer. I think the year we went to uh, first uh, beer fest we went to, it must have been like 2019 because it was before the world ended. We both put this in our top five beers of that beer festival. And the thing that surprises me is that it's not something that on first taste, it seems like this has kind of changed maybe a little bit over time too because I remember the first couple times I had it without, if I didn't see the can, I wouldn't have really thought like lager. You know, I would maybe think Blondale with 
you know, fruit flavors added to it, but it mm-hmm. doesn't scream lager to me. It tastes a little bit different now, I think, it, because maybe it's because my I already know it's a lager, so I'm kind of shaded towards knowing, oh, yeah, it tastes a little bit like a lager with these fruit flavors. But I could have swore the first time I had it, I, I would have thought blonde, blonde ale or cream ale or something like really just light ale. You can even pitch this as like a white sour, and I would would buy that. Um, yeah, okay. Maybe this is because this is a uh, September beer, but this one is a little more tart than I remember it right now. So maybe it got a little funky over the last six, seven months. But um, yeah, if you told me this was a uh, fruited sour, I would wouldn't really argue all too much. Yeah, and I poured the rest of the can into the glass, and with the rest of it and more kind of sediment coming out. The second taste was a lot sweeter than the first, so it, it, a little bit of that sweetness must have been caught up in the in the bottom of the can. That happens, so you got to hide it somewhere, right? Do we have anything to add on Kevin Smith's shenanigans? Or are we moving on at this point? No, I think we can move on. I think had the showstopper with the Degrassi facts, so I think we can move on. So you know, last week we didn't know that uh, what was going to happen with Batman as far as the sequel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What was kind of coming down the pipe for it? Yeah, we're getting a Batman sequel. I saw. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. They haven't said anything other than we're getting a sequel. I don't really feel like you needed a news drop that. If they didn't do a sequel to that movie, I would feel like either Twilight decided he didn't want to do it, or I, I even if the director dropped out, I would think you would keep going on with that, you know, with that Batman. I can't get over the fact that you're calling him Twilight. What would you prefer? I call him Batman? You could just call him his name. No, his name is Twilight. We're also getting another Ghostbusters uh, movie that is a direct sequel to Afterlife. Uh, there's really nothing else on it yet other than it is a follow-up to Afterlife. I'm assuming you still haven't caught that one. No, I haven't. But I did hear the news. I think that came out at the same time, right? Because they're both Warner Brothers properties. Right around the same time. I saw them in two separate tweets on the same day. So pretty pretty quick together. And yeah, they are both Warner Brothers property. Look at that small world. So, yeah. Um, the connection has been made. I don't know. I, I kind of I hope the title for it is Ghostbusters After Afterlife. I thought that would be pretty good, but that, probably that would be, be that yeah, clever. Be good. Yeah, it'd be something kind of a little more cliched. I don't know. I, I, I can't really say what I want to see happen because I don't want to ruin what happened in the first one, but I hope, even though they're calling it a direct follow-up, it doesn't have a whole ton to do with it, if that makes any sense. I kind of think I know where you're going with that. I'm just surprised between this and, again, Jersey Girl not chasing Amy. (laughs) Such, you know, you talked about the nostalgia and it caught you in the feels when you talked about Ghostbusters before. This is a, I'm learning something new about you every day, John. Every, Every podcast we do, I'm learning a little bit more about you. That's what happens when you're forced to talk to me for an hour a week yeah, you're or little, more. You're little, you get that hard exterior, but you're just uh, an old softy. I'm more squishy than hard usually, but... <laughs> Well, I think it's the tattoos. Kind of throws me off. Those are squishy, too, depending on which one you go for. I don't think I want to know any more about that. We'll just oh, keep it at that. I don't want to know tat- which ones are squishy. I don't know. Where, I don't want to know where the tattoo, squishy ones are. So. Oh, again, I don't. That's we'll leave that to the imagination. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, there's kind of a slow news week. There's not a whole lot of other stuff coming out. What I can hit you with, I guess I can do it now. I was kind of saving it, but I do think that um, quite possibly the so I don't know what year this movie is going to come out yet. It just wrapped on shooting. But whatever year this comes out, whether it's this year, next year, I think this is going to be the best movie of that year. So this movie's called Wolf Manor. And let me just read the premise for you. Okay. The suspense. 
It's killing me. So the, and while literally I dying. Is, I don't know if this is the premise, but this is what's written up as far as how it's being described. Shooting a vampire flick in an old abandoned manor house should have worked like a dream, but the film crew is out of their depth, overscheduled and desperate to get the shoot finished and go home. However, as the moon turns full, the nightmare begins. Blood flows and the body count rises as the cast and crew meet with the manor's resident werewolf. So, <laughs> again, this is a movie where the premise of the movie is that a film crew goes to... Manor makes it sound like it's a big house, so like a mansion or something yeah, like mansion that. mansion or something, right? Like Wayne they Manor. To, exactly. So they go to this mansion, start shooting a vampire movie. They get stuck in the house. The owner of the house is a werewolf. And by George, it's a full moon tonight. And chaos ensues. So what you're telling me is <laughs> vampires, I'm sorry, not vampires, a film crew goes to a mansion to film a vampire movie and a werewolf movie breaks out. I think they're going to get werewolf in my vampire and I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's like underworld all over again. Yeah. But I think this is going to be more entertaining. I didn't really like that. Yeah, so I, um, yeah, it was, it reminds me too much of like vampire, the masquerade, like the role-playing game. Cause you know, they have the werewolf thing and then they have, they have a werewolf series and they have the vampire thing. It just seemed like too much of a play on that. And they don't really ever call the werewolves werewolves in that. Right. They're like lichen. Yeah. Something like that. I think I didn't like about that, that, franchise i guess it's got that um that late 90s early 2000s like we're kind of goth but we're kind of not and we saw the matrix and blade and we're going to try to mash them together and kind of make this a uh, bad movie with this uh hot chick who happens to kill the werewolves that we can't call werewolves probably because of something we didn't get a trademark for and it just it never works for me it feels too you know there's there's some movies you could say that are very much so a product of their time a product of their generation or you know however you want to word it and that they can play that to their um to their advantage and there's some when you see them you're just like this just feels dated as hell yeah like even even the day they come out falls in that under that one yeah so but this i don't think will fall into that because you're shooting a vampire movie and a werewolf murders presumably everyone does this have any big name cast associated with it or is it just kind of like one of those movies where hey somebody's making a movie with this concept so it's not listed yet all i saw so it was this was on uh bloody discussing and they have a handful of like uh screenshots from some of the gore and makeup effects oh here we go it, it does have some of that it's starring uh james fleet from bridgerton uh jay taylor from donkey punch sounds like a, a winner of a movie uh, <laughs> I was gonna say I, I don't know any movies. I don't know any uh, theatrical releases by yeah. that title, but okay. I might mispronounce this, so if I do, I apologize. Uh, the Thaila, T H A I L A, Thaila, Thaila Zuki of uh, Evie and Attack of the Adult Babies. Gonna have to look <laughs> up. It. Gonna have to look up Attack of the Adult Babies. That sounds like it could be entertaining. That might be uh, some uh, Dewey Bod Monster fodder right there. Sounds like it. Rupert Proctor of Luther and River Street and John Henshaw of The Keeper and Looking for Eric. So, no, I don't know any of these fucking people. Some of those were words. I heard Donkey Bunch. Um, but yeah, they, Bridgerton. they were just I've heard uh, of Bridgerton. Yeah, I've heard of that. I've heard of Luther, too. But no, the Bloody Disgusting put it up. They didn't have a release date. They didn't have anything like that up. Um, I tried pulling it up on IMDb just to see if I could get more on it. Nothing really on there. Um, the shots they have with the effects look 
pretty good. They look very... If you try to modernize um, Monster Squad, but keep it R-rated, yeah, Monster Squad's great. Then we so, have to talk about Monster Squad. when we, yeah. we have, That has to be an episode. We have to talk about Monster Squad. It's been so long since I've seen it. It's a great movie, too. Yeah, but, it is. Um, it, yeah, the, the werewolf looks very Monster Squad, but R-rated, if that makes sense. Some more blood, basically. Does he have nards? That's, I need to know. Does he have nards? Of course nards? he does. So, okay. Of course well, he has nards. It's canon. I didn't see any of the vampire stuff. I, I'm kind of hoping that the vampire stuff is a very minimal plot point in this because for every one vampire movie that I like, there's probably like 20 that I could care less about. Yeah. But again, this premise alone has sold at least one ticket or streaming, st- whatever. One on-demand purchase. I'm 100% on board for this monstrosity of a movie. Yeah, I feel like it would be more of like the because they're filming a vampire movie that it's just going to be some people getting shredded but hope. <laughs> could be pleasantly supply- surprised hey maybe there's plot turn that they're filming an actual vampire in some type of uh maybe one or two people are actual vampires see we should be in this we should be in the screenplay business look at this premise we've already come up with i mean we kind be of rich. stole it we kind of stole it from another premise and i don't think that we would be getting into that to get rich yeah true but it'd be fun it would be yeah we'd have some fun with it yeah we, i think our combined knowledge we've seen enough garbage movies and bad vampire and werewolf movies we could probably come up with something you know pretty decent it's a lot more bad vampire movies and bad werewolf movies they didn't start making bad werewolf movies until like the late 90s really well no i mean you think they had like uh they had the 80s and they had the the 60s and 70s they i mean they but they've been very sparse whereas they are very vampire sparse. movies have been um, so there are so many more the sample yeah. size is so much bigger that it's much more easy to say that there are a lot of bad vampire movies where the there's so few werewolf movies that most of those are probably bad too. No, the problem is with werewolf movies is once you got into CG, they stopped making werewolf like the last halfway decent werewolf movie that I can think of was probably that Jack Nicholson one wolf, which that's really just watching Jack Nicholson be a you know fucking maniac that makes that movie entertaining. But when you get into uh didn't Benicio del Toro do a uh, werewolf movie and that was yeah i was gonna that's what i was gonna say did you see that i didn't see it i mean yeah I know it's not did very it, good but... it's it's okay. not very good always i didn't like it. it it and they did a van helsing movie which i think had some werewolfism in it too um it just it doesn't and again maybe this is just because i one of my favorite horror movies and i wouldn't say this is a cheesy movie i think it's a legit movie but one of my favorite horror movies is american werewolf in london mm-hmm. and that transformation scene and that is, I mean, that's up there with any Tom Savini, you know, any... Um, well, that is Rick Baker. That's not who I was thinking of. The dude that was the Walking Dead guy. Ragnar Kataro is the lead for the special effects on Walking Dead. And you're looking like you don't know who I'm talking about. No, you, you, all that suspense built up and I don't know who... I, I, that name is not familiar to me. He's one of... He's a Tom Savini disciple. So, oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Where would you rank? So if we're going, we're going werewolf transformations here or just wolf transformations in general, I I got two for you. We got American Werewolf in London, right? Mm-hmm. Which is probably gold standard or at least pretty high up there. I would say that's probably the best, but I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to influence your decision. What about Evil Ed in Fright Night? Okay. That's a good one. I'd still put American Werewolf in London over it. It's Fright Night. I'm not a huge Fright Night fan. Fright Night's good, but it's not 
like i don't ever go back and really watch that one like you know if you're like flipping through shit and you, you land on it like you might leave mm-hmm. it but i don't ever like seek it out i i really enjoyed it i enjoyed the remake i've never seen fright night 2 i i mean i'm probably one of the few i didn't even watch a remake i'm probably one of the few people that will say that the remake was pretty decent because i really liked anton yelchin i thought that mm-hmm. uh again going back to talking about batman colin farrell was really good as whatever the vampire's name is i mean it's kind of forgettable, but uh, the name, at least. <laughs> but the thing with Fright Night is I like the movie, the original movie, but mm. there's a documentary called You're So Cool, Brewster, like the making of Fright Night or something like that. And I was really in, like, I'm, I'm really down. I was really down to watch it and get into it. And I, the documentary goes into so much of like the mundane, like minuscule, like, if you want to be a completionist and you want to know everything about Fright Night, this is the documentary for you. But if you are someone that's on the fringe that's like, I think Fright Night's a great movie. I really enjoy it. What's some of the stories behind it? This is like a three-hour documentary. It might be. That might be an exaggeration, but it is definitely over two hours. And they interview, like, everybody. This is like the, didn't the they do oral something history. Like that with, uh, didn't they do something like that with Creepshow also? Oh, maybe. I don't know if I've it's, seen that. That's another one that I need an excuse to go back to his creep show i love that movie too that's so creep show is that does that have the little story with ted danson where they get and leslie nielsen where they get buried up to their that when i saw that i the first time i ever saw that my aunt had rented it and my cousin was probably she's probably four to five years younger than me easily and I went over there, and I was like seven or eight, and I they're really watching like where it. This is going, and she's watching, and my cousin's watching it, and she's like mm-hmm. three or four, and it gets to the scene where they get buried up to their necks, and then they come back, and they're like, st- you know, they're like shuffling in the house, and they get shot. Like Leslie Nielsen shoots Ted Danson in the head, and just like yeah. the seawater pours out of his head. That like that's frightened me. That is that's one of those scenes. It's like for a lot of people, it might be like the thing. Or something from the thing, you know, that kind of like throws you off. That's one thing that's been like, it's it's been a scarring, you know, childhood memory from a movie for a long time. As a guy who loves George Romero, I even like the, the like before he died, more recent Romero movies. That's one of his best. Like that's up there with the first two Living Dead movies. Um, it's, it's definitely better than the uh, latter half of the Dead series. It blows the hell out of like... Uh, you know, Bruiser and uh, all the other like random stuff that he did just kind of independently. That movie is just fucking fun. And talk about a movie with a great like poster to sell it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's one of those ones that'll definitely draw you in. Speaking oh, yeah. of Romero, because everything always comes back to Romero at some point. Did you ever it see should. the original movie, The Crazies? I want to say yes. Did you ever but see the I'm remake not... of it? I know I saw the re. I feel like I... it came out not that long ago, didn't it? Like... It was like 20 between 2005 and 2015 so that's i don't want to say like 2012 or maybe 20 2008 timothy oliphant is in it he's like the main guy i don't i don't remember if i saw it or not it sounds like something i would watch just because of but go on i just i I never saw the original i think i've seen parts of it and it's one i think the crazies is one that's like romero's you know one really kind of one of those movies in his catalog that hasn't been seen very often or doesn't get talked yeah. about very often. It's kind of like, if I remember right, in, not in story, but it's kind of like Last House on the Left or uh, The Hills Have Eyes for Wes Craven or something like that, where it's like, I don't know, Wes Craven's early stuff is like borderline snuff films to me. Yeah, yeah. Like before he did 
people under under the stairs is, is the first one he did where i was uh more amused by it like that movie's just ape shit crazy right yeah I've, i haven't seen that but that's what i've heard about that one is that it's just really it's one of those things where it's so just over the top ridiculous it's hard that it it's hard to take it as a horror movie like a straight horror movie there's moments of it where it almost feels like you know how in rocky were a picture show and weird signs where all of a sudden people are like riding motorcycles through the house and all kinds of crazy <laughs> shit like that you know it's got like that type of thing to it except like with demented more demented fucking insane people in it and it's funny because i guess when when you're starting in horror you just do whatever you got to do to get started but for what west craven grew into which you can make the argument that west craven saved horror as a genre not once but twice in his career because nothing was like elm street before that came around and there's not a movie that you can credit for single-handedly reviving a genre more than the first screen movie. More than think. Shocker. Well, that was entertaining, but yes. <laughs> That's a stupid had, fucking movie, I had to too. inject that in there before you got to Scream. That was one that he did between Elm Street and Scream, too, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. But, I mean... Yeah, Shocker's like nine, 92 or 91 or something. Something like that, yeah. It looks like the Death Row Records picture. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that guy... If you like horror and horror genres, like that guy, probably you, you want to hold him up on Mount Rushmore. He's up there more than Cunningham, more than Carpenter. Well, maybe not more than Carpenter. I was going to say, you got, we got an argument on our hands if you're going to say more than Carpenter. I think they're even. I think Craven and Carpenter, they both earned. But yeah, more than Cunningham. I mean, I think Cunningham had some, you know, I would say he's probably up there, but I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, you're more of a Friday the 13th expert than me. I just feel like at some point Cunningham kind of, had less involvement he just had more of like a producer like i have some of the rights wherever that exists like these that days he did the first movie i don't think he directed the second movie and after like basically once jason was in the movies he basically didn't want anything to do with them until roughly i think he's involved no he's not directing but i think he's involved with jason x as like a producer again so obviously i i don't know the guy I can't speak to it but it kind of feels like he just kind of left his name on as a producer for the the royalties or whatever yeah the paycheck um yeah but i don't get the impression that he had any real he really gave a shit about the franchise much past part one maybe part two yeah like getting the checks yeah i mean i again we don't know him we've never talked to him i don't know anything about him other than this one thing he's on my speed dial i don't know what you're i'm gonna get him on the phone right now so (laughs) he's on my icq yeah we contact each other yeah, but he's, I mean, he's definitely not the guy who is, uh, he's, I wouldn't put him on that, like, that, you know, if I were doing a Mount Rushmore of, like, horror movies, it'd be Carpenter, Craven, Romero, who you put as a fourth guy. I love the Friday the 13th movie, movies, but I don't, I don't know that I can put Cunningham on there. James Wan. <laughs> I mean, that would be an Jimmy option. Wan. <laughs> oh, that's what it was because we were talking about it. Uh, he did that uh, house movie that we were talking about a couple weeks ago. That he was did. Sh- Sean Cunningham. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. All right. So, a little redemption. Yeah. House two. Have you seen? You you haven't seen House, right? We've talked about this. You haven't seen. I've house. seen House. I don't think I've seen House two. Oh, House two is kind of a little bit funnier. It's a little bit more of kind of a comedy edge, but it's been so long. It's been decades since I've seen either one. Lloyd Kaufman. That's the other guy that goes on Mount Rushmore. Okay. Yeah. Tell him, uh, <laughs> yeah. Give credit where credit's due. He, I feel like Kaufman, some of the movies are legitimately kind of horror. I mean, they're schlocky for sure. But yeah, I do feel like he's done 
a lot to kind of advance the genre because it seems like, especially when you go into slasher films, there's so much kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say inherent, but there are always little comedic. I think what makes a good slasher or a good kind of, well, slasher, I won't go so far as horror, but it has to have some kind of little comedic element to it. And I feel like Kaufman definitely had a big part of that. I mean, there's all those old Astro Zombies or movies like that from like the 60s and the 50s where they're just kind of over the, like campy and horror. I but like I that feel like, too. But... Yeah, I feel like Cunning, uh, Cunningham, I feel like Kaufman kind of popularized having humor in your horror movie. Kaufman's, so the trauma stuff and Kaufman in general almost feels spoof-like to me. Yeah. In a lot of ways. I say Kaufman kind of jokingly, even though I think he deserves a lot of credit, mostly because I can't think of a good fourth guy right now. I told you, James Wan. Okay, make your argument for James Wan. I don't have an argument. <laughs> I just want I just want to get your reaction. I take him or leave him. I don't know. Uh, Fast and the Furious. I, you know, I've only seen the first one of those. I haven't seen the other like twelve or how many they're at now. Yeah, I think they're they're going to be not, eight. They have eight complete. Is I it? think. I thought they had. I thought they. I think nine is coming up, and I think ten's the last one. Maybe or is it? Be, they've completed nine and eleven's the last one or something. I don't know. So anyway, next up we got Cloud Nineteen with pineapple. <laughs> Nice transition there. Smooth, like Cloud 19. It's just like drifting into a turn, you know? <laughs> so this one is Cloud 19 is the pineapple variant of the regular Cloud 19. Crazy name change. It is a 7% New England hazy IPA. I think both of us have, me more so than you, but both have expressed some level of boredom or kind of just being burnout on hazy IPAs. Would that be accurate to say? Yeah, I think you more than me. I don't know, the style as a whole feels very stagnant. It feels like the best has already been done, you know, and now we're just like doing these minor variations, like tweaks. Like, oh, this one's going to have a little bit more pineapple flavor. This one's going to have a little bit more, you know, going to be a little bit puffier, a little softer in the mouthfeel department. Yeah, so I'm I'm with you on that. So everything you just said, I totally agree with. That being said, when this beer came out, it took my favorite beer of the year, whichever year it was, and then it became a regular regular beer in their rotation. They've done these Blackberry Cloud 19 before, and I want to say a different berry as well, as far as like variants on Cloud 19. I, I don't know that this is what the original intention should be for a uh, New, New England IPA, but when I get a New England IPA, it's kind of what I want. I want something super juicy. Super fresh, super tropical, citrusy, all that type of stuff. That's I want it to be just over the top, and that's what I usually get out of this beer. This one for me is a March 9th can, so this is pretty fresh. You? Yeah, mine is, we're kind of like flip-flopped, whereas you had an older version of Yumtown. I have an older Cloud 19. This is, I'm almost ashamed to say, this is September 9th, 2021. So, God, and this was almost... on my local local place. It was in the cooler, so hopefully that mitigated some of it. We're I almost flip just... flop like to the T. My, uh, you said that was September. Yeah, my Yumtown was September. So yeah, I I want to say that Pineapple Cloud Nineteen. Um, there is a big trend. I noticed it a lot last year, and this year is kind of too early to really say that it's a continuing trend. But I felt like in New England style IPAs or hazy IPAs, or we'll get into that because I also have some th- thoughts on that. I feel like pineapple has been a really big 
kind of trending flavor as of maybe last spring until this year in New England style IPAs. Cloud mm-hmm. 19, Pineapple Cloud 19 came out, I think initially either 20, I want to say 2018 was the first year, but it could have been 2019. And I feel like they were kind of the front runner in that, at least in Michigan, for that kind of flavor profile in a New England style IPA. I think, you know, since then, like I said, it's been a big trending flavor, but um, I feel like Brew Detroit was maybe a little bit ahead of the ahead of the game on that one. This is definitely the first one I remember really not just taking pineapple and making a flavor, but going to 11, like turning up to 11. This is Spinal Tap. This is the the Spinal Tap of pineapple. Uh, well, I guess other than the Hakiki or whatever, but um, Kalakaliki. No. Yeah, that too. Excuse me. So for me, I I really like pineapple like as a fruit. Like it, it I eat it more than I should admit to. I guess, um, just because it's it's good. So if you're gonna take a beer that like a style of beer that I'm kind of lukewarm on to begin with, and just kind of beat me over the head with something that I do like on it. Well, at least it's got a lot of pineapple, so I can, you know, kind of focus on that and kind of Mm -hmm. not be distracted from some of the things that don't drive me crazy about hazies or IPA in general, if I'm being honest. Yeah, this is this is double dry hopped with mosaic and Hellertau Blanc hops Uh, on the label. It says heavily fruited with pineapples and again, 7% ABV. I just feel like IPAs these days are so diluted. This is kind of what I wanted to get back to. They're so diluted. In that anything, you know, this is like called out on the label, DDH, New England style, India Pale Ale. I feel like when you go to a brewery nowadays, you almost, when you see an IPA, they're not labeled like specifically like that. So you, I almost feel like you have to say, if you are not interested in New England, or if you're not interested in West Coast, you have to ask when you see it on the menu. If I'm if I don't want to drink in New England, is this a New England? Because they don't they're not labeled anymore now. You know, there's so, such a I think more, almost I think lagers are a little bit maybe broader. You know, lager in general because lager is you know it's like one of the two styles, right? Lagers or ales. But right. I feel like with IPA, it's such it it spans such a broad range of what the beer can be, right? We well, have so does, West Coast, so does lager, have, so does yeah. lager. But I think if you're, let's just pretend we're not talking about you or me for a second here. If you just mm-hmm. take Joe Sixpack on the side of the street and give him a Del Rey and uh, Hellas Lager or whatever, you know, yeah. you just pour them both in the glass. Don't show him the label. Say, tell me what you think of these. He's going to say, this tastes like beer. This also tastes like beer. That's going to be your general response. Where if you put a pineapple cloud 19 in a glass, and then put, I don't know, 200. I'm gonna go, I was going to say all day IPA to really push it. But, um, okay. You know, something like that, you're going to have a different, like, one's going to look like beer to, again, Joe Sixpack. One's going to look like fruit juice almost, or theoretically. Mm-hmm. And you can't say that those, I mean, those are both IPAs at the heart of it, but that's about where the similarities stop. Yeah. Well, you can so. even say, like, I'm going to give you a stone IPA. I'm going to give you three. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a stone IPA. I'm going to give you a two hearted and I'm going to give you a pineapple cloud 19. Now stone and two hearted are going to look this. They're going to look pretty similar. I mean, I think two hearted sure. is probably a little bit hazier. I think it's a little bit more amber than stone. Yeah. I haven't had a stone yeah. IPA in a while, but I feel like stone's going to be a little bit more yellow. It's going to look more like quote yeah. unquote beer. Um, I think it's going to be a little more taste- hop forward. Like yeah. almost bitey than what two hearted is. We're two hearted. Well, they're, they're gonna taste totally. 
Yeah. You're going to taste like the range or you're going to taste the rainbow yeah. of all these different IPAs, but they're all called the same thing. I mean, right. at least like I said, with Cloud 19, Pineapple and Regular, they're at least mm -hmm. labeled as New England's. But those other yeah. two are IPAs, especially Two-Hearted and Stone. I mean, Stone is called IPA. Two-Hearted is an IPA. I think Two-Hearted is labeled as an American IPA now on the actual oh, label. Yeah, I, that's true. I don't think, well, I don't buy Stone stuff for a couple different reasons, so I don't know if uh, how they label it now. It's been so long since I've had that beer, but I don't remember yeah. them having any, uh, any type of uh, label on it that says what kind of IPA it is. Yeah, I was going to go with the uh, Sierra Nevada, but I realized that's a pale ale, <laughs> so that you even do. muddies it more. Yeah. Well, it's a pale ale, but I mean, how many people think of it as that? Right. I don't. Like, if I don't, yeah. if I don't, if I don't say the name out loud, or if I don't think it in my head, like the entire name, because I know it's Sierra Nevada pale ale, I would, I don't, I don't think of it as a pale ale. I mean, it's, it's that, pretty bitter. That, that pale ale is about as hoppy and bitter as any, as probably 90% of West Coast quote, quote, you know, IPAs that are available in any given tapper. I, th I think, I think Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is my go-to West Coast IPA, and it's not even an IPA, so go figure. I, you could do a hell of a lot worse. Uh, that's for sure. I don't know. They're one of those weird breweries that it, I feel like in the, maybe it's just a Michigan thing, but I feel like in the world of craft beer, like Sierra Nevada doesn't get nearly the credit they deserve for how many amazing beers they've made just consistently year after year after year. And really, they're kind of one of those, uh, again, going back to the Mount Rushmore theory, like where would craft beer be without Sierra Nevada right now? Yeah, I, I haven't had one. It's been too long, but it's one. that's one of the beers that kind of brought me. So when I first drank beer, like the first time I drank beer was in college and I, I wasn't a high school partier by any means, but I had Loser. beer in. Yeah, tell me about it. Nerd. I had, <laughs> maybe. Um, so, so I had, I overserved myself. The first beer I can really say that I drank a lot of in one night was, and this will date me, was Sam Adams Golden Pilsner, right? That was like, that was like 90s. That was like 90, probably 7, 96, either 95 or 96. And I remember them playing it on the radio, like commercials Sam Coke would be on, and he would be talking about, you know, Sam Adams when they used to do commercials on the radio for their beer. And that was one thing. We knew a German exchange student. We're like, Bernd, Bernd, hey, man, pick us up some beer. Like, what do you want me to get? God, I hope he talks like the Swedish chef, even though he's German. No, I don't think he did. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. He <laughs> was, really was really hard to understand him, but we, we developed a cipher. Um, so we sent him to the place. He's like, what kind of beer do you want me to get? And I was like, get, you got to get that Sam Adams golden Pilsner dog. Like that's like, that's all over the radio. It's gotta be good. So he gets it. I drink all this beer and drink Goldschlager and aftershock and all cool. this other garbage. And I get sick and I don't drink beer for like at least a year and a half, two years until I can go to Windsor and drink it. You know, I was probably 20 and you can drink in Windsor at 19. But we went and I got a Molson and I'm Earl Labatt, maybe. I think it was Labatt. And got a Labatt and nursed it for like two hours, just a bottle, one single bottle. And then it was like, oh, I'm going to start drinking beer. So I drank Two Dog. Do you remember Two Dog? No. It's like a, it was like a shandy, basically. It's like a lemonade beer. That sounds then, terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was all right for the time. I mean, it was, it didn't taste like beer. So it was all right to me because I was wow. just not, you know, I was, I had that, that memory of tasting the golden pills coming back up. Shandies for me, like, 
I've had some in like at shorts to in, in summer they do like four or five mm-hmm. different shandies in their tap room. And I do okay with those, but um, what's that one? Uh, summer, Cooper? yeah, that one. Hangover City. I I had I bought a six pack of of that and b- drank like three of them. Which three twelve ounce beers? I mean, that's probably not responsible, but it's not by any means like going nuts on it. Mm-hmm. I woke up like I got hit in the head with a rock. Um, <laughs> just for it's me, that wheat man, it's a sugar. Uh, I think it's sugar. Um, because I get the same way with uh wine, red wine especially. Oh, uh, that's why Oberon. That's my Oberon uh warning sign. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming it for me. I'm assuming is the sugar in it because I remember it being like ridiculously sweet. Uh, my wife didn't even get through a bottle. She was like, she threw it out like fuck this and went back to two hearted or something. But shandies are are a weird. So I would I feel like a shandy from what fifteen twenty years ago. I don't know when you were in college. God damn man, that's depressing to think about. Let's Five go years with, ago. Let's go. With, let's go with last week. Okay. Shandy from last week, <laughs> the draft therapy expert that just started drinking a week ago. So yeah, there we the go. self-proclaimed the, the authority, the self-proclaimed authority on Michigan beer. Oh, I've been told that in my house. I ask anybody in this house. I say, "Who's the authority on Michigan beer?" And they say, "You are." And I'm like, "Well, there we go. It's a consensus." But anyways, you are now go in the basement. <laughs> right. Now get the hell out oh, of here, you jerk. Right. But yeah, going back, it was like. Eventually, I worked my way up to Anchor Steam because a friend of mine gave me the backstory about Porter. Well, it's not a Porter. It's like a lot. What is that? Anchor Steam is. They call it a steam it, beer. Yeah. So California Steam. I think it's like a that's, co- that's California Common or something like that. Isn't it? It's something weird like that. It's not a. Uh, it's an ale of some kind. So. Yeah. And then it was, I don't know, I even said Porter. He told me the, the story behind Porter's. I think he was the one that told me this guy. And then he told me about IPAs. And he was like, oh, yeah, they made these to the monks to carry across. I had monks, whatever. This is how he told me. This isn't, this is the story I'm relating to you. The monks carried it across the, de- <laughs> the monks, the monks, the moops. They carried it across the desert. <laughs> <laughs> and it was supposed to survive, supposed to survive the trip, you know? Okay. So moops. that's the moops. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the moops. <laughs> What's the deal with the Dewey Pod Monster podcast? <laughs> but yeah, we were seeing at the magic bag. I always get the magic bag and the magic stick. Like I know the two, I know the difference, but I always like in my head get them mixed up. We saw they used to sh- I don't even have know like the magic movies. bag is so open, or if it's been reopened since COVID. I think it is. I think it has been. I could is be it? wrong. I don't, maybe Ferndale's changed so much. Maybe it's a restaurant now or something. But they used to have the Monday Night Movies. I think it was Monday Night Movies. And we it's saw Fight you. Club. I, I saw Grindhouse there like 12 times. Jesus Christ. Well, we saw <laughs> we saw Fight Club. And it was the first time I saw yeah. Fight Club. And <laughs> I got a Sierra Nevada. I got an Anchor Steam, and I worked my way up to Sierra Nevada. And that's kind of like what reawakened my, I don't know, my consciousness as to what beer is. Because I was used to drinking, again, Labatt or Two Dog sure. or Golden Pilsner. And then having something that was totally different, obviously, you go to Sierra Nevada, they're not even close, you know, so it was it was a bit of a wake-up call. So I, it's a small, I always have that small, you know, kind of Man, piece I of miss, my heart. Now, I miss Ferndale Brewing View at uh, Magic Bag. So when I was, so that summer when Grindhouse was out, 
part of why we mm-hmm. went because it was like five bucks to get in. And uh, for for those who either don't remember or don't know, Bruin View was the Magic Bag is just a bar in uh, the city of Ferndale in Michigan. They do like a club night and they do a couple other theme nights and stuff like that. But uh, they have when concerts they were, there occasionally. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen one there in a while. Most of those have been moved down to the uh, Loving Touch now, which is like two doors up. But they used to do, whether it was Monday or two, whatever night it was, they used to do uh, Bruin View nights where they would basically let you go in and they'd show when second run theaters were a thing, like after they got out of the theater for, you know, 20 bucks a ticket, dollar sort. Your first dollar. Porn. Yeah. Dollar movie shows used to be a thing and, and they would take second run movies and they would play them for, I think it was like five bucks a ticket. And you go and you could sit at a regular table, not like a, a movie seat. And you could, you know, bullshit with your friends, talk through the movie, whatever. And the movie would play and you could still hear it. It was never really, um, bothering anything but you could also get beer at really reasonable prices i remember the reason why we kept well one of the reasons we kept going back whether it was for grindhouse or you know whatever oberons were like two bucks a bottle every night during summer so and again now good luck buying an oberon for two bucks anywhere so the summer that grindhouse was out one i love planet terror the first part of grindhouse it is one of my one of my favorite horror movies of its uh its decade. Whether it's I think this is twenty tens at that point. I was gonna say two thousands, but that movie is fantastic. And I and truthfully, I love Robert Rodriguez movies when he's not making movies for his kids. Again, good for him. If you can make a movie for your kid, make a movie for your kid. But I much prefer Machete and um you know uh, that type me. of stuff. It's Machete. 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 Sorry. Machete. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was all about it just to see that. And then you got Death Proof with it, and I like Death Proof quite a bit, but I know a lot of people don't, um, and I get yeah, why they big, don't. I'm I'm not a big Death Proof guy. It's too I slow. It. I like the cars. I like, um, I'm, I'm kind of a Kurt Russell slappy, like pretty much and even a bad movie that Kurt Russell is in is better than most good movies that other people are in. I feel like he's just kind of one of those actors. You know, you have those actors you just like kind of regardless, like Paul yeah. Rudd. <laughs> he's Paul Rudd, but violent. More more willing to be violent. We don't to, to disclaimer, we don't know Paul Rudd personally, so we can't say if he's We a don't know Kurt Russell tyrant. either. So. That's true. That's very but true. But I do feel like that would have been a good selling point on the posters. It's like Paul Rudd but violent. Dewey Pod Monster. <laughs> Poster quote. Um, so free, anyway, anybody wants to use that, feel free to, to to take that. That goes for any Kurt Russell movie. Um overboard, you know, whatever. So Captain Ron. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Rudd, but violent. Magic Bag was this year that used to do these screenings on i think it was in the middle of the week it was monday or tuesday something like that and somewhere around like 2018 or so they just stopped doing them and just went to being a straight bar and it's still one of the things that me personally i miss because it was a great way to go catch a movie on a big screen relatively cheap and it was much like um if you ever gone gone to see a rocky horror picture show screening where people dress up and you know do the whole crazy shit Kind of like that, minus the costumes for whatever movie was on. At least that was the experience that I had more often than not. Yeah, I think I've seen Rocky Horror Picture Show one time like that. I'm not a huge fan of the movie just in general, um, but I think I have seen, I have experienced that one time where it was like 
spoons or whatever it is that they throw at the, is it spoons? Yeah. Something okay. like that. So yeah. I, and, I love and, that movie for what it represents more than what the movie is, but I feel like um, the that magic bag, like doing the whole kind of, you know, bar and movie thing. Now hmm. it's kind of it's not so common. Like you can go to Imagine now and you can order beer or liquor, or drink mixed drinks or whatever, slushies or yeah. whatever it is and take it to the thing. But I feel like that whole kind of deal, like the if the, you represent the Dewey Pod Monster, you just bring a flask and dump it into your Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I feel like that whole kind of model has really taken off. And I feel like in Metro Detroit, at least, that magic bag, the um, brew and movie or movie and brew or whatever was Mm -hmm. like, that was kind of like a a prototype a little bit as to like a lot of places. When I saw Avengers Endgame, I think it was Endgame, I saw it in Florida. They had, near Clearwater, they had a thing where, yeah, you know, they came to your your seat and you could order beer, you could order food or whatever. And I know a lot of other places did that. My brother-in-law always tells me about one near Saginaw that he used to go to that would do the kind of same thing. Imagine and Noah will do that. So I don't know about, yeah, right. They have the people, the runners. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the other ones do, but I know the one in Novi does. Yeah. So it's just kind of, I, I I feel like it was ahead of its time a little bit. The difference was that when you were at Bruin view at, in a Ferndale, you could, it was more of a bar atmosphere that happened to have a movie playing where you could hear it and watch it and all that, yeah. where it's the opposite with these theaters, like imagine why not? It's a, it's a movie theater that happens to have a bar that brings you booze or, you know, overpriced food or whatever. And again, the other thing that's different is like I said, I was buying overruns for two bucks a pop where you buy one beer at like, imagine I think it's like $18 or some crazy shit <laughs> like that. Like, yeah. It is it's like stadium pricing, but somehow higher. And you're also getting like a 40 ounce beer of whatever you order, which sounds good, but you know, let's be realistic here. Most movies now are two hours plus. If I'm going to drink 40 ounces of beer in less than two hours, you're going to have to pause this movie so I can take a piss. Why something, you know? And and just to kind of, to, to wrap, not necessarily wrap it up, but to turn the whole thing around Mm through Detroit is now available at Imagine Theaters. And as they should be. They should be everywhere. So There you go. This does feel like a good place to wrap, though. We've been going for a minute. So any closing thoughts on Brew Detroit? I'm sure we can throw in there. No, like I said, I think that Brew Detroit is, again, criminally underrated. I feel like for the value, it's some of the, if not the best, some of the best beer in the state for for the money. You like you said, Del Rey is like you know a couple bucks, and if you go to the tap room, you can get it even cheaper. They have when I was yeah. there last time, they had a special. It was something like I don't know a couple bucks off a six uh, a six pack. It was like four or five dollars or something like last that for summer, a four I pack. Got, I got a case of Del Rey last summer, so thirty cans, maybe it was twenty something like that, thirty cans or so for like twenty two bucks. Yeah, I mean, what you can't even get like? Can you even get? PBR is a, all right day? in that ballpark. No, all day is like 15 for 15 in that area, something like that. So, and but, if we even, t- we didn't even talk about uh, the, the citrus, what is that called? Citrus you know, the blonde. New one. Oh, yeah, citrus we, blonde. we didn't even yeah. talk about citrus blonde, but that one's like well, so we inexpensive didn't, we didn't too. We grab that one. So, yeah, but that's super inexpensive. That's kind of the same yeah. deal. And it's yeah, not just like, certain stores, it's like MSRB. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I so, totally yeah, I mean, agree with you. Brew Detroit is one of two 
breweries that will always and forever have beer in my house. They're whether it's Delray or just any other thing. If they put a beer out, if I, the second I find it on the shelf, it's coming home. Like there's not even a question about it. So yeah, I agree with you. They're criminally underrated. Make a point. Really, you should make a point of going down to Detroit and going down to Corktown anyway, because it's a good place and it is definitely a place that is uh, on the uprise. I don't think there's any real question about it. You know, while you're down there, it's a it's a great place to make a day out of it. You can go hop across the street and go grab a sandwich at Mudgies and then go up the street to Batch or whatever you want to do. So there's other good stuff that is close, uh, like walking distance close. I, it, you'd be hard pressed to find more consistently good beer and better value beer than what you're going to get out of Brew Detroit. Yeah, and spoiler alert that Brew Detroit is one of the beers that we're going to be talking about in the draft therapy mandatory Michigan breweries because it's one of the places that I feel like if you're in Detroit, I mean, there's uh, as, uh, there's a lot of options in Detroit, and I feel like Brew Detroit is one that is a must stop. Well, I don't just feel like it's one that's a must stop. I feel like if you were going to say what's the must stop, there's only one other spot that's even remotely close, not just geographically, but like as far as the beer is concerned. But I would still put Brew Detroit head and shoulders over them just for the it's great to be able to be in a brewery where they have stuff that's crazy and experimental and random one-offs. And, and in fairness, Brew Detroit does all that too. But there's something to be said about the brewery that can not only do that, but also if you just want to go in and hang out with your friends and have a beer that you know, you're going to like, they have shit. They probably have like five or six different flagships now that are on pretty much all the time. Yeah. They have something for everybody. Absolutely. If you know somebody that's not into beer and they like seltzer, They've got, they've got seltzer. They have little yum, which is like Mm -hmm. a a lower ABV. I think it's a little lower ABV, but it's a seltzer version of yum town. Yeah. I mean, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Check them out. Make sure to tell them that Dewey pod monster and or uh, draft therapy sent you because I don't know. They, they're aware of us at least. They might, might give you a high five for that. So (laughs) (laughs) they'll give you a sticker. Yeah. There you go. While you're at it, make sure to follow us on all the socials. We're at Dewey Pod Monster. If you could leave us feedback, you know, rate and review the show, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to it. If you can rate and review it, we would greatly appreciate it. You can also always drop us a line on Twitter, Instagram, email. Our email address is DeweyPodMonster at gmail.com. Anywhere you want to do it, you know, love us or hate us, we'd like to hear from you. Sean, you want to go ahead and plug your plugs? Yeah, I was going to say before I plug, if you go on our Anchor site, anchor.fm slash Monster, you can go on there and actually leave us a voice message. So if you wanted to give us some voice feedback and we can include it in an upcoming show, feel free to go that, that go there, record a, a voice message and let us know what you think. But yeah, plugs for me. Uh, I'm Sean. I'm at Draft Therapy. You can find out more about me at www.drafttherapy.com. You can find my YouTube channel at youtube.drafttherapy.com, and I am available and uh, posting stuff occasionally on social networks like Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. You said that so matter of fact, it's fantastic. So, <laughs> <laughs> Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm not on TikTok. That's outlawed in my house, but I'm on the other socials. That's fair. Also, make sure to look uh, for us on the Brew Detroit podcast. We did a episode with them recently. This will come out. I don't know when they're posting their episode, but this will come out close 
to that time. So even if you don't catch our episode, go back and listen to the other other episodes they did, especially the episode with Bruce Brothers and really all of them. Just catch up on it. It is a great podcast and it's talking just about beer. So, you know, if you need something else to listen to, that is a great way to spend an hour and kind of catch up on what's going on in the Detroit beer scene. But with that, we're going to leave you at that and we will talk to you next time. Check us out. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. Yeah,